I'm Stefan Bauman. I would like to invite you on a special journey. To discover the splendor. Encounter the grandeur. Feel the excitement. Come along with me as we experience the thrill of painting outdoors. A three-day journey that will change your art forever. In one of America's most stunning locations, Mount Shasta. Everything you need to know is on our website, www.stephenbauman.com. Let's tell a story. Well, it's interesting, and, and uh, I was talking to one of my coaching students this morning. He thought it would be a good idea to paint some stirrups. And these were not just ordinary stirrups. These were stirrups that were um, old antique stirrups from the Spanish when they came over to Florida, because he lives in Florida. And he says the antique stores have a, a lot of these vintage Spanish stirrups. And he thought it would be a good idea to paint them. And when I first looked at them, I'd remember him telling me the story last week. And I thought, well, okay, let's take a look at them. He says, they're a little unusual. And so when I opened up the email this morning at 4.30, I'd already had a couple cups of coffee, so I wasn't seeing double, but I looked at it and I said, it looks like little Danish wooden shoes. And he goes, yeah. So these stirrups have these little points to them. They're not like our stirrups that are open. And they come to a point. And I thought, and then he had them side by side. And I said, you know, hmm? they're metal. They're like brass or, you know, something like that. And so I thought it was kind of a, an interesting topic to kind of conquer because we're talking about the incoming storm, which is kind of a storytelling. Is that your painting isn't just of something, it's actually something that, that involves more to it than just the objects themselves. And he had these two stirrups side by side, both of them pointing upwards. They have little points on them like wooden shoes. And I looked at them and I said, I don't really get it. And he says, well, they're stirrups. And I go, well, you know that they are. I still kind of don't get it. And you know, one of the things that I talk about when I do my videos, I say, so what were you thinking? And if you're thinking stirrups, and I'm looking at it, I'm going, I don't see stirrups. I see two little wooden shoes. There's a problem. There's a problem with the story. So I said, first thing, I said, if those are stirrups, there were side profile. I said, you should have one profile of one so we could see what they look like. 
The other stirrup should have probably been on the side so I could see where you put the foot in. Then I probably need more to even know what they are. Now, you know, we have horses, so I know stuff about horses. I don't know anything about these stirrups. I've never seen them. But since he said they came over with the Spaniards when they came and conquered the United States and came in with their horses, um, these stirrups were the ones that they used, then you should probably have a map of you know, Florida, you know, an old one, like an old treasure map, something like that, right? And then maybe a picture in the back of one of these Spanish guys in all of the armor. You know, that might give us a clue, tell a little bit more of a story. It wouldn't be bad to put in a bridle in with that, and then maybe some, some straps, some harnesses. You know, and you've got to tell a story so that the viewer knows what you're trying to say. If you're painting stor incoming storms, you've got to make it feel like it's an incoming storm. Which means if it's incoming, incoming, where we're standing, there's no storm. It's like it's coming at us. There's a, you know, a thing. And so it's all storytelling. And storytelling paintings are, is basically what we do. Art is actually a visual medium, kind of like uh, reading is. Poetry. It's silent poetry. It's poetry without words, so it tells a story. And when I ask people, so what were you thinking? What I want to know is whether or not you were successful with that story or not. So part of storytelling is that you have to feel it. You, uh, last week we had a few people that were recreating things that they didn't have any part of. They were painting things that were somebody else's experience, being in France with umbrellas and street scenes and stuff like that. And we do have certain things that gives us that storm-like feeling. But there's nothing like trying to recall that moment when you actually feel that coming in. And you've all kind of felt that at times where it's like, oh man, that storm is coming in, we got to get out of here. I think most paintings are detached. One of my students this morning, she'll remain nameless, but she comes in and she paints a little and she goes, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to go wander around. I'm a little bored. And I go, why? And she goes, oh, well. I said, where's your central focal point? She goes, ah. You know? And I said, you know, why you're bored with your painting, why you're tired, is because you have no stress. Yeah. Got to have some stress, so let me sit down and cause some stress. I, I caused you to be, you didn't, you didn't get up the rest of the class. You were like, I mean, did you notice when I said you need a central focal point? You were like, ah, and I said, here it is. And, you know, well, I asked you, I said, where do you want the central focal point? You said, well, here. And I go, well, that's not in the center. You go here. And I said, well, no wonder you're bored with the painting. You just don't really know what you want to do with it. So I said, where would be a good spot to put it? And you kind of said, well, this would be a good spot. I said, is that where you choose to put it? And you said, yeah. And I said, well, let's put it in. So I got a palette knife. And what did I do? I mixed up just the brightest light color you could possibly do. And I went, You weren't sleepy anymore. No. You woke up and you went, oh shit. <laughs> and then I started taking brown colors and I was darkening all of the other stuff in there. And you're like going, I would have never done that. And I said, exactly. And I was creating you more stress. I can't have my students falling asleep in class. One thing for sure, you'll never come here again and say, I'm tired. Or bored, yeah. 
but can you see how much different it is when you have something to work towards? If you're losing, a, if you're losing your interest in painting, you're not connected with it. You don't have a central focal point. That's why I say, lay your painting in and then boom, put a central focal point and go overboard. Choose it. It could be anywhere you want, but choose it and then commit to it. That was another thing that was hard for me to learn was that you have to make decisions. Yeah, and you have to stick with them. Yo, know, Dottie over here, she was working on when she says, oh, I decided to change my focal point from here to here. And sometimes you do that, but man, it's like, you just kind of like open up Pandora's box again. It's like repainting again. It's like, if you have another idea, say, yeah, that actually would have been a better idea. Thank you for sharing genius wherever you are. But I'm going to ignore that and I'm going to stick with my original decision. You know, it's just like when you chose, you know, your mate, your husband. He says, yeah, I choose you. I marry you. You go, do you take this man to be your husband? You go, yeah. And then a week later you go, what the hell did I do? <laughs> Especially when that one over there looks a lot better. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, you've got to commit yourself and commit yourself as if you married it and stick with that idea. That's the problem with most plein air paintings is that while you start painting, it's a good idea, then all of a sudden something else happens. And then you forget the thing that you were working on and something else happens. Like you said, you've been working on the painting for years. Yeah, you brought it up, you did it here, you, you know, it's like, but it's just lost. Commit to what you want to do and stay, and then work with that commitment. Don't change it and then change it and change it. Decide or choose. I mean, the thing is, what I always tell students, you have to choose. The difference between choosing and deciding. Deciding is in the same family group as homicide, suicide, pesticide. It means to kill off your options. So, I decided to put my focal point there. And then after a while you go, I don't know, I'm going to kill off that option. I'm going to move it over here. You know, if you decide to go to the gym this afternoon, <coughs> it's easy to go. It's, yeah, decide to go to the gym. Oh, an antique store. <laughs> oh, a garage sale. Oh, I really should start making dinner. So, but if you choose to go to the gym, you just choose it and you go. And if there's an antique store, you say, that's great, but I'm moving to my, going to the gym. So choose your central focal point, commit to it, make something so out of control now. Andretti, the race car driver once said, he said, there's a point when you are, you know, you've made your decision, you're going forward and you're going really, really fast. There's a moment of clarity. There's a moment when you actually can start seeing the checkered flag and everything goes quiet in your head and you can see the people passing you and you can see the speedometer. You have total control of your car. And he said, when that happens, you're driving too slow. You have to feel like you're on the urge of, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And so you know when I put that stuff on your painting today? It's like, oh shit. I didn't feel that with the white highlight. I mean, the mm -hmm. But when you put the dark all over it, it was an oh shit moment. Yeah, it was an oh shit moment. Now you got to get yourself out of it. So when you're drowning, all of a sudden you're not getting sleepy, you know, so. We have a ways to go on, it's kind of fun. I like to see some big billowing clouds and some stuff in that pan. You got a ways to go, but I got your attention. And it's, it's growing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have to be careful not to follow the canvas, which is another habit I have. What do you mean by that? Well, whatever happens over here, if I like it, I'll go over there. 
following what's happening on the canvas. You got to stay with the essential focal point. You got to make the decision mm -hmm. or choose. And that's what I did with Patty Marie. Is that you know she's you know and I said get that spoon in there, get that highlight in there, get that in there, and then work out because if you finish if you don't finish the rest of the painting nobody cares. But if at least you got something for the viewer to see, you can leave your painting done. In fact, a lot of people say, how do I get my paintings to look really loose? Well, don't finish them. You know? And the thing is, the viewer doesn't know that. You know, the viewer, what they do is they see it and they see a central focal point, and then it's like, that's it, that's all they need to see. The rest of the painting is just like an underpainting. Mm -hmm. A lot of those really loose paintings are unfinished. I understand all that, but the doing is, I, I, I work on that. <laughs> that's why you're here. Tell a story. Incoming storm. What would that be like? What does it feel like when a storm comes in? Some of you that here in Reading realize what it feels like when the fires are going. And you know that fire's around. You get that feeling. That's an amazing moment to paint. If you can, if you can draw on that fear. I just took pictures. I used my camera and my uh, oh. telephone. I'm sorry. You took pictures? I get that. You know, the thing is, this whole planar movement is new. 30 years ago, when I started taking students outdoors, nobody knew what planar painting. In fact, the word planar painting wasn't even like used. I sat with Eric at a bar, you know, and we were sitting in uh, Fillmore, <coughs> and we were talking about whether he should name his magazine Planar Painting or Outdoor Painting. And I thought, you know, why name your magazine something that you'd have to educate your people to understand? Doesn't make sense. The thing is, what we wanted is like the incoming storm. And so you do have kind of a storm thing, but the incoming storm has a little bit more story to it. Half of the painting could have been a little bit more darker. But, you know, you said it was raining. It's so, so it would have rain on the left-hand side, more blue sky up on the top, more contrast between the, the two hemispheres. Yeah, that's what we're actually looking for. Okay, you always want the center focal point to be opposite the light source. So like, if the sun's coming down on trees, and it's coming from this direction, this is where you want your center focal point. If the light's coming from this where you want your center focal point to be over here. Always try to embody everything. Try not to have anything in the middle. That's kind of a rule. But rules were made to be broken. So there, you know, I could show you lots of paintings where the object's in the middle. So whose is this? Mine. That doesn't surprise me. What were you thinking? And I thought, oh my God, tornado. And because that area did get them quite frequently. So I ran upstairs, ran down the horror, snatched both kids up, and had one kid in each hand. Yeah. Running down the hallway, <laughs> and everything was blowing. You could hear trees crashing, and we didn't have like outside siding on. We just had that black stuff. To say the least. Was, was it a tornado? Yes, okay. but it didn't hit my house. It was close to it. it okay. How many of you saw this when I first put it up here? You saw it down on the ground, and you already knew the story before she started telling it. So would you say she's successful at what she said? Oh, yeah. 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 
So that's storytelling. The thing is, I got that while I was sitting on the ground while I'm, you know, dinking around in here. I was like, there's, there's something coming. You know, either that or poltergeist. But I think it's, you know, the fact that you've got the building here and the, the, the elements outside. Um, you know, I don't quite know what it is that you're running from, but it could very well be a tornado. The fear, the thing like that, that's perfect storytelling. And when you actually see a painting that has that kind of storytelling in it, where you can tell what's happening, you don't need figures. Figures help. Animals help. No, well, the thing is, when you have an incoming storm, it is disjointed. Here you've got the blackness. Yeah. You know, it, there's an incoming storm. There's an incoming storm over here. One's just kind of passing. There's another. This is like a holy shit storm coming it in. Was, you know, it's like, it was like a holy shit moment. <laughs> your open sky here is like it's going away. So the, there is an incoming storm. I have been in Arizona when it's like that. And you know, and you talk about holy shit. I mean, yeah. the lightning. Yeah, the lightning, the, you, I mean, and the thing is, it's like, you know, not, it's, it's, I don't get the feeling that's an incoming storm. I feel like we're going into the storm, yeah, you know. Yeah, but actually we were, we're driving into the storm. Yeah, and the fact that even the road is kind of dry, kind of has a feeling that the storm hasn't quite happened, yeah. but you do get this sense of urgency. Yeah. Um, I think you always have an interesting perspective. It's a holy shit moment, isn't it? Yeah, for this moment. Um, well, the thing is kind of like what we started this conversation with. If you're tired or bored or, or you know, like, it's like, and like you said, you started a painting a couple weeks ago and you tried to do it and you didn't like it. I can't remember what you painted, but the thing is, though, if you don't, if you're not inspired, if you're not in it, if you're not, you know, pushing yourself, if you're just sitting here painting because you're just painting, you'll never grow. You'll never grow. You'll never, your paintings will be boring. You know, you've got to be excited about painting. Now, I have a couple of students that I've had that I do coach. And, you know, it's like after a while I go, are you really wanting to be a painter? And I can teach anybody if they have desire. I can't make them into an artist. I can show them what that is. And they have to have desire to try to find that. And I'll help them and coach them so they find that, whatever that is. But if you're disconnected from your painting, and if, and if you're just not in love with painting at all, there's a lot of other things you could do. So I've had a few of my students going, you know, maybe you should take up knitting. You know, I don't really kind of feel like you're in it. So, I, I've never really been in a tornado. Um, some people say, oh, you live in California, how could you live there when you have earthquakes? And I go, somehow, when you're in an earthquake, you don't notice it until it's like over with. And, you know, I don't know what it's like to stand out in your, you know, in your backyard and having this thing come at you. And you have to sit there and figure out which direction it's going for 10 minutes to try to figure out where do I go? You know? And we, yeah, we don't have basements here, but the thing is, I think a tornado is like frightening. I go, how could you move to Oklahoma? They have tornadoes there. And I mean, they have, I mean, your life is like, you, you can make a stupid decision in a second. An earthquake, by the time you figure it out you made a stupid decision, you're already in it. Yeah, it's like, you don't know, you just hold on. I see a lot of people who paint still lives. And when I look at them, I feel like, oh, it's just a casual mechanical look at a still life. 
And then I look at artists like David LaFell who look at the same still life and they're, they look at the same thing, they feel it. And when you look at a Rembrandt, you feel it. When you look at a Sargent, they feel it. Now one brushstroke isn't put into the painting without connecting and feeling it. That's really where art is, I should say that's where art is. When you listen to some of those singing shows, you know, like, um, what is the, the voice? And uh, America's Got Talent, you watch those things? American Idol, you know? It's like you sit there and you listen to these people, they have wonderful voices. And then all of a sudden somebody comes in and they've got a crackly old voice that, you know, and you sit there and you're sobbing because you can feel that they feel it. You know that they feel it. Same song you've heard a dozen times, same people playing the same song, but you go, man, this guy's got it. And you can't even get the words out because you're touched. You know? And you, most artwork is not created in that space. I jungled you up so that you paid attention to your canvas. I gave you some fear and some like, I rattled your cage. And all of a sudden, part of it is like, holy shit, he just ruined my painting. I don't know what to do with it. But the thing is, you know, now it's all of a sudden you're trying to survive. Like I said with Andretti, if you, you can see the controls and if you can see what's in front of you, you're driving too slow. If you can just paint casually from a picture and not get emotionally involved, that's not a good picture for you to paint in. We don't paint paintings just because they need to be painted. We want to paint paintings that we feel and make the viewer feel it. Remember, painting is silent poetry. It's crucial for you to feel it. Yeah, sometimes it's just, and sometimes that's with me too. It's like sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll look at a painting, I'll go, oh, you just need to do this, and I'll do it, and they'll go, now what? And I go, it's over. And then they go, oh, yeah, I don't need it. You know, the thing is, you don't know sometimes what that is. And it's good to work with somebody to do that, but sometimes you're on your own. You know, you have to figure that out. And sometimes it can be just an edge that, that just distracting you because, you know, it takes away from something that's in the painting. But this beautiful twisting, the colors, everything is just... But I feel it. I feel you are feeling it. Do you ever get a, like a kind of, a, I won't say crap, like an emotional crash when you finish? Something? If you don't get an emotional crash when you're done with your painting, you didn't work hard enough. Because mm -hmm. last week I had a, I just... It's like somebody poked my balloon. Yeah. I watched that movie, Judy, you know, the story of Judy Garland. Oh my God, it's great. But you know, here you had this woman that literally was just a rag. And she, you know, however she got to where she was, um, and if you, if you watch the movie, Judy, and you don't cry at the end, and you, you, you realize half the problem was her. You know, from the very beginning, she was a little bit of a problem child. But with all of the other stuff that happened in her life, and she gets to the end and she can't even get in a motel room anymore. And, and you see her trying to pull herself together and giving everything she's got. And her biggest fear is that there's just no more left. And basically that's what happened to her at the end, is there was just no more left. I mean, she couldn't even sing Over the Rainbow for the last time, because there was just nothing left. She had given everything she had. And the song she had sang before that was Brilliant, but it took everything she had to, to deliver it. When you listen to Judy Garland, you know when she's singing. 
that there isn't anything left in her. When those guys stood up and sang, they'd be like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> Don't start, because, I mean, I was just in tears. I mean, you, you, it's just like, whoa. Yeah. And that's true. That's a true story. And I'm like, you know, but see, that's the thing. But the thing is, you watch a movie like that, and it's the director telling the story. You know, he's manipulating us to sit and cry at the end. He knows what to do. Even though the story has the bones there, it's like Spielberg. They know what to do to make you cry. You watch a lot of movies and go, this is shit, because the, the director isn't trying to manipulate the viewer with the skills that they had. You had snow and wind and a snowman, which made us cold and windy. That's the whole thing with this. It's like learning what to do, the elements, to cause something to make people realize and feel something. But I would like you to look at some of the paintings that were done today and capture some of the feelings that we had. But I want you to really concentrate this week on finding a story that really touches you, something that is... Doesn't need to be a storm. No, it doesn't have to be a storm. It could be just your mother's pearls, you know. But something that really has a connection to you, either still life. And I want you to paint it and, and turn off the television set, you know, turn off the music, kind of be with your painting, kind of try to manipulate the viewer to, to kind of see into your soul a little bit. What I'm doing is I'm trying to open up a door for creativity that's more of a conversation with the viewer, more about opening yourself up to get your paintings to have more life in them, more something, not just another painting of a thing. Remember, we don't paint things, we paint effects. And those effects can move us. If you'd like to try coaching for yourself, whether you're a beginner or an advanced painter, please don't hesitate to give me a call at 415-606-9074. Join us on our website at www.thegrandview.org and get more information about our show. There you can download our free book, Everything You Need to Know About Outdoor Painting.